Welcome to the Power of Being You podcast, where we interview people who are out in the world creating change by being authentically themselves. Come along with us as we discover tips and tools that you can use to shine your brilliance even brighter. I'm Sarah Grandinetti, and I'm excited to explore the power of being you. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Power of Being You podcast. My name is Sarah Grandinetti, your host. And today I am joined by the potent, powerful, beautiful Marilyn Bradford. Welcome, Marilyn. Thank you so much. I like your introduction. (laughs) So um, a little bit about Marilyn, for those of you who don't know her, she is a licensed therapist, access certified facilitator and speaker who gives lectures and workshops about addiction and mental health worldwide. She has worked in the field of addiction for over 30 years, finding traditional treatment ineffective. She approached Gary Douglas, the founder of access consciousness to see what might be possible together. They founded right recovery for you, LLC, a radical and unique program, which utilizes trans transformational tools and techniques to empower people to permanently end addictive behavior. And I love this. So results from using this model include decreased treatment time an absence of cravings an increase of self-awareness and mastery, as well as the freedom for the client to move on and generate and create a life they truly desire. Marilyn facilitates teleclasses in person classes and private sessions dealing with all the ways that addiction and mental health problems show up including, but not limited to addiction to judgment. That one is so good. We're going to talk about that one. Yes. (laughs) Talk about casting a wide net, Marilyn. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) The addiction to being wrong, um, alcohol relationships, food and eating disorders, cigarettes, poverty, drugs, fixing other people's problems. That's I've never been addicted to that. Mm -hmm. Um, polarity and playing small. So I have so many topics here now I want to discuss, um, but Marilyn, before we get going, can you, can you share with our listeners, what inspired you to do this work? Uh, my own problems. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so, years ago, like 32 years ago or something, I was diagnosed as depressed and an alcoholic and I went through regular treatment and all the time I'm going, there's got to be a better way. Because it's all about making people wrong. Oh, that's my thing to make sure that I get on in time. Now I have to You're find doing my phone. Look at you early. Yeah. <laughs> uh, make sure. Okay. So anyway, I then I became um, a therapist because my therapist, I went into therapy once I was diagnosed. He said, I think you'd be a really good therapist. I was looking for a new start in life. I was divorcing my husband. You know how this goes. Mm-hmm. And So I did. And I went to graduate school with a clinical social work school with an emphasis in addiction. And I was fortunate to have a lot of opportunities to get some really great training. And then I started work at a psych hospital, which was incredibly interesting because you got to see people in the the most pure sense of these insanities, you know, the guy's walking down the hall with his underwear on his head, the schizophrenic, that kind of thing. So I got a lot of great uh, information and experience there. And uh, then eventually I went into private practice and about 
15 years, 16 years later, something like that. I'm not very good at this. All the time I did get sober. I did traditional. Um, and all the time I was like, oh, there's got to be a better way. There has just got to be a better way. Um, so once I got into access, I started using the access consciousness tools with my therapy clients and they were getting better faster. And I was like, huh, you know, and I've had expert, expert training. Huh. So that's when I approached Gary Douglas and I said, Hey, Gary, can we do something with access and addiction and mental health? And he said, absolutely. And at that point there was only one right class. It was right body for you. I said, what if we call it right recovery for you? He's like, I think I'm going to do a whole series of right classes. But that's how that got started. Then he bugged me to write the book, which I did. But all in the meantime, just as as access is always changing, I began to see all the myths and lies of traditional recovery and 12-step. And I'm like, wow, what else can we create to actually empower people and give them more freedom. And that's really what the whole thing, the journey has been about the last 15, 16 years. So in that um, lovely introduction, you gave me a big zinger about the uncovering the myths and lies of the 12 step programs. And what I, what I'd love to, before I am going to give this question, a preamble, (laughs) um, whatever's working for you, Um, if you're listening to this, please don't stop it. And there are things for everybody. And what I, what I love about access consciousness is that it truly includes everything. And we're not about, uh, you know, getting people to like get off medication. We're also not about people, you know, leaving their religion or leaving their, you know, whatever it is that works for them to create the life that they would like to have, um, access includes. So I just, am doing my, my preamble, but (laughs) moving into other possibilities and you seeing other possibilities, can you can you share with us that a little bit of like the difference of using the access tools and the contrast that you were aware of with the other programs that you were a part of? Yes. And thank you for that, laying it out that whatever you're doing that's working, please continue to do that because that's really what it's all about. Um, okay. So some of the differences, one of the things about 12 step is it's all about answer and access is all about question. So, for instance, people would walk into my uh, my treatment room and they'd say, I say, so what's up? They go, I'm depressed. And I'd go, how do you know? And they were like, what? <laughs> I love that. Because my doctor told me, oh, really? Well, let's look at this. So, so that's a really basic, important thing to be in the question rather than the answer. And access does not have any kind of dogma. So it's an exploration. It's not a like an in-place system. And 12-step is, you do these 12 steps. And it's that the first thing is that you're powerless. Well, that's something that I question. Are you really powerless? Let's look at that. What does that mean to you? What would it look like if you weren't powerless? Um, So 12-step is really about you buying a program, hook, line, and sinker. And you are less than it. It is your salvation, the way, the truth, and the light. And access is all about what would you like? What's going to work for you? And one of the big differences is if you do the 12 steps, and remember, I was in it for like 15 years. It's all about making you wrong. Mm -hmm. In fact, someone said, what is it like to be in 12 step? I said, well, for two weeks, every morning and every night, 
Make a list of where you were selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid. Wow. And see how you feel. (laughs) And one of the things that I discovered in working with Right Recovery for You is that they're secondary and primary addictions. Now, addiction is just an energy looking for a target. It can be anything. It can be image. It can be to being perfect. It can be to, as you said, fixing other people's problems. But what I realized is those are what I call secondary addiction. The primary addiction is to judgment and the wrongness of self. If if you manage to work with the judgment and the wrongness of self, it gives people this enormous freedom. And I found that one of the reasons that people relapse in this whole thing of once an alcoholic, and I'm just using that because that's the most common one or commonly understood one, um, always an alcoholic. But you see, if people relapse and they don't work on the wrongness and they go back into a program, which is all about judging you and how wrong you are, they're going to relapse. I mean, they, they can't do it. How could you stand the pain of not having something to help numb the pain of being so wrong and not fitting in? Yeah. And it's so cool just that you found access and began to question, just to add question to anything and everything. And you start to look from a different place. And it seems like the foundation of starting, and I haven't been in a 12 step program, but if you're saying the first two weeks, you're looking at all the wrongness then everything that comes after that is on that foundation of wrong. Yes, exactly. And, and if you're building your foundation on that, then obviously, you know, the, the relapsing and that stuff, um, does occur. And I'm not saying it doesn't occur for any, everybody. I just, I'm not saying that I don't know if that made sense or was English. I'm not saying that that will occur for everybody, but I do know a lot of people who have to maintain their, their addiction to now the 12 steps becomes the addiction. Yes, exactly. Interesting way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because it's all about making something greater than you. It's all about you don't know what's true for you and you don't have the power and potency to manage this. Now, I want to say there are people who have an allergy to alcohol. They can't drink again. They just can't. But, you know, if you have an allergy to peanuts, you don't have to call yourself a peanutaholic. I mean, it's just (laughs) you have an allergy. Okay. Um, But you don't have to live with the idea that you're wrong. The freedom that I can perceive every time I do an episode, Marilyn, I, this awesome consciousness thing kind of taps me into people receiving what we're talking about. Cool. And, um, and I can perceive the listeners. And so I'm um, just that statement alone as gold. Um, <clears throat> so can we pull apart a little bit about the addiction to wrongness and how some of us like, Cause what I, what I see is that people feel so wrong and the ones that go and work out 12 hours a day, you know, and get to get the perfect right body and all that, no one's like making them go to a program, you know, right. because, you know, and then the people who choose these other, other types of addiction that are seemingly more destructive, um, are the bad and wrong ones. So can we right. pull apart about the, the addiction to wrongness and where that kind of like leads us? Sure. And in fact, in before we get to where it leads us, let's look at where it starts. Because generally it starts in childhood. Most people who have addictions are the really creative, I want to do this, I want to do that kind of people. And whatever it is, whether it's a particular culture or your family, or, you know, we're Italian, we do it this way, 
we're Arabic, we do it this way, we're um, whatever, Slovenian, we do it this way, uh, the church says you do this. We're born into, wherever you're born, pretty much, into very fixed realities. They differ from culture to culture and family to family, And but you are told how to be. And if you don't fit that, spoken or unspoken, children begin to develop this incredible sense of wrongness. I don't fit in. Oh, my gosh. And yet there's also this conflict. Or so like, yeah, but what I really want to do is paint and I want to play with the animals and I want to. No, that's not what we do on Sundays or Fridays or Thursdays. Or you need to, you know, straighten up and fly right, basically. So and that keeps going for most people. Um, They can't just sit and do nothing. I mean, school can be a nightmare because of the judgment, because of sitting in rows for 60 minutes and then 60 minutes. And um, some people find religion helpful. It can also be incredibly destructive. It also, many religions enforce the sense of wrongness. You're a sinner. So you get it from all different angles. And that becomes so painful. And kids particularly, in the beginning, you're judged from the outside parents, school teachers, religious leaders, but you internalize that. So then you start judging yourself. Oh, see, I did it wrong again. Oh my gosh. Oh, nobody's ever going to like, I'm always wrong. I'm always wrong. I'm always wrong. That kind of thing. So it's incredibly destructive to being. You cannot be the gift you be if you're judging yourself in any way. And you have this great sense of wrongness. So there is a certain amount to work through You know, a lot of times I have people do exercises with writing down all of the beliefs that they have, all the definitions of themselves. And then I'm going, okay, what if you woke up with amnesia tomorrow and you looked at your list? Which ones would you take back? How much have you limited yourself by solidifying yourself with other people's belief systems? But getting out of judgment and the wrongness of self is just absolutely critical to being you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and changing the world. I agree. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to sidestep that same direction that we were going. Um, I do a lot of parenting classes and um talking about like raising kids from, from a space of no judgment, encouraging them to be them. And so now that I have you here right now, what, what would you say to parents if, if they're, cause what I know is a lot of parents just do what they were that was done to them. So it's like, yes. here's the rules that I was raised with. So I'm going to raise you the way that I was raised mm-hmm. or they go the other way. And they're like, I was raised this way. So I'm going to do the opposite, which is not the freedom of being them as a parent. Right. So if they're hearing this for the first time right now and, and they're like, wow, kids are raised with wrongness. And then it creates these kind of outcomes. Yeah. What did, what would Marilyn Bradford say to a parent right now? The first thing I would say is step back Take away all of your preconceptions about who this child is and ask yourself and ask them, who are you? What do you like? What works for you? Recognize that each child is a unique being with capacities and talents. And a lot of times these are squashed down. Um, So that's the first thing I would say. Then I would say, really ask your child questions. 
What works for you? How was school? Not just how was school. Oh, it's okay. What works for you about school? What doesn't work for you about school? And let them know that they have choice. That's huge, I think, rather than giving direction. I mean, one of the things that Gary said once about uh, parenting and his daughter, Grace, is she was going towards a hot stove. And instead of saying, don't do that, he said, well, if you touch that stove, it's going to be very hot and burn you. What would you like to choose? If you can get kids to actually see that they have choice, and it's not this whole set of rules and right and wrong, they can begin to develop that sense of authenticity of them. Oh, I have choice. And then into, well, if you, you know, when you hit Johnny, what does that create? If you don't hit Johnny, what are your other possibilities? What else could you choose? So I, those are the, the first things that I would say to a parent, but I'm sure you have a lot more than that, Sarah. No, that's fantastic. Like, one of the things that I talk about in my classes too, is like when they make a choice, don't talk about them, talk about the choice. Like what yes. like you said, like, what did this choice create? What would you like to create next time? What other choices could we make? Um, that there's no wrong or bad directed at them, the being, but at the choice that they made, you can look at like what it created for them. So I love everywhere, everything that you said, um, such a gift. Um, <clears throat> so when you talked about getting out of judgment is, is one of the ways to get to be you, um, what, what does that look like in regards to like, just even going to the place of knowing that you have an addiction to judgment? Because even reading that, I was like, okay, Marilyn, like I said, like in the <laughs> cast a white net there, which is awesome. Um, but how, how does one get to the place where they can acknowledge, wow, I'm, I'm really addicted to judging. Well, if you don't, one of the problems is the term addiction is very charged. Yeah. So you can just say, okay, I'm judging myself a lot. And two things. One is I ask people, I remember <laughs> I asked people to have a whole day of no judgment. I'm sorry, judgment. I'll have you tomorrow. It's, it's Monday. You can come back Tuesday. And I remember a client said, how about an hour or 20 minutes to start with? <laughs> start with whatever amount of time you have. But another, another, here's a really helpful question, whether it's, you want to um, eat a whole bowl of or a, a, a gallon of ice cream or whatever it is, ask yourself, or let's stick with judgment. If I weren't going to judge myself right now, what would I be aware of? It's beginning to develop the muscle of awareness. And that can be very helpful. And the other thing I tell people is don't make yourself wrong. <laughs> don't make yourself wrong for judging yourself. Okay. Addiction is not a is not a wrongness. It's a coping skill that people develop because they aren't given any other coping skills. Mm -hmm. And it seems like if I can just get away from myself, yeah. if I can just get something greater than me, then maybe I can feel okay for a while. Yeah. And you just know. the the receiving of that, Marilyn, it's so beautiful. Um because mm, so much of just like looking, going to look for help is going to the place of like, okay, I'm going to let everybody know how wrong I actually am. And yeah. to have somebody go, Hey, you're not wrong for having chosen this. This is just a coping mechanism for, exactly. and a lot of times it's like awareness. Like people are, I know, you know, many people who self-medicate, um, as having been a hairstylist in Los Angeles, I've met all of <laughs> all walks, 
um, who use alcohol or prescription or whatever to numb their awareness. And they're just so highly aware. Um, and they don't want, they don't know what to do with that awareness is what a gift the access bars are and all the tools and access yes. to allow us yes. to be with that awareness and not have to, um, numb it out. Um, <clears throat> so we talked about the addiction to wrongness and I just, I heard this little voice, like, um, you know, those people who are like, I'm not judgmental. I'm not a judgmental person, but there, there's oftentimes the people who are like, so addicted to being right. Yes. <laughs> can we, can you talk a little bit about that side of the coin as well for my friends who, you know, might be listening and might could look at that. It's such a trap because if you have to be right, you have to be in judgment constantly. Was I right? Is this the right thing to say? Was I right here? And you have to make everybody else wrong. Right is one side of a coin. You cannot have an addiction or a desire to have to be right without making everybody else wrong. So it's a huge trap. And if you're making yourself right and then wrong, you can't really be you because you can't be vulnerable. Access has this wonderful thing of the five elements of intimacy, honor, trust, allowance, gratitude, and vulnerability. And you can't be vulnerable if you have to be right. You can't receive you know, you can't, oh, the other thing is you can't, and this is so critical to letting go of any form of addiction. If you have to be right, if you're in judgment, you cannot be present. And one of the things that I work with clients or in my recovery of you with the in my classes is learning to be present. And it's actually difficult for some people. And I get that. You checked out because it was insane. Your family was crazy. They were gaslighting or they were just so strict or they were, you know, none of it made sense. I think I'm going to check out. So being present, sometimes you have to clear the um, all the projections and expectations and judgments, conclusions about being present. And I want to add one more thing, as you mentioned, the access bars, fabulous tool, get your bars run. And while it's, while you're getting them run, what you can do um and you can have them run with trifold sequencing systems. That's good for addictions, but on shock trauma. But you can also, while it, while you're having them run, to yourself or out loud, depending on who's running them, talk about, oh, gosh, I really need a drink. Or I'm going to just talk about that. Because one of the things that happens is you pick up, you kind of have a neuro pathway, and you'll pick up everybody else who has that similar energy. So I'll give you an example. Um, so one of the things I discovered using access tools and all of that is that I can drink if I want to, you know, it's not an issue for me. Um, but I was coming home from the market one day and it was Friday at like five o'clock. And I'm like, boy, I, you know, you know, I just want to, oh man, I can't wait till I get a scotch. Oh, I'm going to get in. I'm going to pour myself a double. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't drink scotch. And it was just, who does this belong to? So that's another great tool. I once had a client who came in and she says, so what's up? And, you know, I have an alcohol a day. I'm like, so we went through all that. And then six, six weeks, nothing was changing. And if people desire to change and they work with me for six weeks, something's going to change. So finally I said, whose alcoholism is it anyway? She said, oh, it's my mother's. And she never had another issue with alcohol. So we can take on so much from other people. I love that example. My, 
I, you know, I had been around access for some time, heard that tool. Who does this belong to? And I was like, yeah, it doesn't really work. Cause it never really, cause I was always looking for it. Newsflash for everybody. Um, if you know the tool, who does this belong to? And you ask it and it gets lighter at all. It doesn't belong to you. If it yeah. lightens up at all. But I was thinking that I asked that question and if it doesn't go away, it's mine. But funny thing is that, um, we do access consciousness, use the tools to become more aware, not less aware. So we don't actually dim our awareness of these things that, that, um, we have a heightened sensitivity to, um, and I remember being in LA traffic stuck on the freeway and all of a sudden just fantasizing about driving my car off the side of the road. And I was like, I wasn't suicidal. You know, and but I was literally like like looking for places where I could slam my car into something to to um unalive myself. And um uh as I sat there, I asked the question, who's this belong to? This is so weird. And I looked over and there was this man who was like hunched over his steering wheel just sobbing. And I was like, okay, I get it now. I get it. Like we are psychic radio receptors and we were picking it up all the time. And that question is gold. So if you're hearing it for the first time, you can go on Dr. Dane here's YouTube channel and look up, um, just type in, who does this belong to? And then you'll get a video just explaining that whole tool, which is really cool. There's also an app. There's, There's lots an of app. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Who does this yeah. belong to app? So it reminds you on your phone to keep asking. Um, so thank you so much for that, because I, I get that, that, that exploration and how question when you started off, this is like that a lot of the other programs are doing answer right? and how a question like, who does this belong to can let someone let go of their mother's alcoholism and right. one and done, you know, one and done. Um, so Marilyn, is there anything that, you know, someone who's like really, and there, there's been gold nuggets through all of this, but who's out there and seeking right now, like what, what would be the thing that you would love them to know, um, is possible. Well, they're not wrong. They've been covered with projections, expectations, rejection, separation, judgments, conclusions, belief systems. It's like poo all over the outside of their being. And it's really helpful to realize that that is not who you are. If people can get one thing, it's that all of these things are not who you are. And Everything is changeable. That's the other thing that I would say. You can change this. You just have not been empowered. You haven't been given the tools or the possibilities. A lot of people don't even know their other possibilities. It's like you have to learn a new language. I used to do a class called From the Language of Addiction to the Language of Consciousness, but it's so everything about our lives are is energetic. I mean, you speak English because, or Spanish or French or Swahili or Chinese, because that's what your family spoke. Well, your family also, and the culture spoke other languages, energetic languages. Some families speak the language of anger and abuse. Some families speak the language of helplessness. Some families are energetically the language of gaslighting. Mm. And some very few but cool ones are the are the energy of your amazing your wonderful empowerment and all of that but if you can take a look at what language energetic language your family spoke that can be extremely helpful and what i remember um just doing a a one-off class on kindness and all of a sudden i realized oh my gosh there are people on this call who don't know what that is Mm. 
And just remember, you may not have experienced certain things. That doesn't mean they don't exist. So I had them, I had everyone go out and look for examples of kindness, like a dad holding and playing with his little son, you know, or two kids walking along hand in hand or helping each other in some way. So you don't despair if you haven't had kindness and possibilities and empowerment and gratitude and all of those things and beauty in your life, it doesn't mean they're not there. You just have to, and there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Ask a buddy, get a really good therapist, actually get an access, good access consciousness <laughs> facilitator <laughs> or a therapist, if that works for you. Um, but don't ever think that you're stuck permanently and you can't change something and you can't learn more and greater. That's amazing. Thank you. You empowered me today. And I don't mean, I, I mean, I have addictions. I don't have like, like the, the drugs and alcohol or anything like that right now, but I'm definitely looking at places where I'm an addict. So, um, <clears throat> thank you. I ask everybody on the podcast, the same question to end our show. And that is our show is called the power of being you. If you were to write what the show's description is, what would you say the power of being you is? The power of being you. That's the only power there really is. Meme. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> Did you want to expand or you want to leave a period at the end of that sentence? Well, you don't have any real power if you're not being you. You can do this reality's power over somebody, but that's not the real power and potency. Yeah. The real power and potency is you being you. Amazing. Thank you, Marilyn Bradford, bringing it home. Um, if our listeners would like to find out more about you or get in touch with you, how can they do that? MarilynBradford.com. Easy peasy. Lemon. Easy, easy peasy. Thank you so much, my friend. I'm so grateful. And um, thank you everybody for listening. And we'll see you next time on another episode of The Power of Being You. Bye. Thank you, Sarah, very much. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to The Power of Being You podcast. If this conversation has been a contribution to you, please share, subscribe, or leave a review. For more information about being you or to learn more about the amazing tools of access consciousness, you can go to www.accessconsciousness.com. How much fun can you have exploring the power that comes with truly being you?